You're listening to Pesty Profiles, the podcast which combines education and inspiration to make us all better pesties. Hear the stories, the successes, the failures, and ultimately what led the best in the pest business to where they are today. Here are your hosts, the dynamic duo, the Jay and Nikki Turner. G'day guys, Jay here with another episode of Pesty Profiles, the podcast where we put the spotlight on the best in the pest business. And joining me once again is my co-host, not only the president of Women in Pest Management, but also my exciting wife, the Nikki Turner. How are you, darling? Exciting. Elaborate. Elaborate? <laughs> Elaborate. That's how I'm feeling right now about our guest. Uh, yeah, I am too, actually. Yeah. I am. I'm actually, I'm going to confess, I'm actually a bit nervous. Yeah. This is the first. You've been very nervous. For this, this is the one. first first time I've actually been nervous about talking to a guest because I'm going to confess I'm big fanboy here, big fanboy. We've got a lot of professional crushes I have to say <laughs> in this industry, and I'm doing really well. I'm actually starting to tick them off one by one for for these podcasts. And yeah, this one, oh, I think this one is your most. I don't know one of, one of your most exciting. Ones I think that yeah, big fanboy. Yeah. So let, let's let's get into it then. So with that, I'd really excitingly like to introduce our guest. And joining us today as our guest profile lead is Daniel D. Dye II from Florida in the US. How are you, Daniel, a.k.a. Triple D? Yeah, <laughs> I am doing fantastic, and I'm honoured to be on your your show, the Pesties podcast here. This is fantastic. Yeah, now I'm nervous. So <laughs> <laughs> You should have seen how excited he was when, because I didn't tell him I'd messaged you, Daniel, and said, Come, yeah, oh. we, we would like to do a podcast. And then I sort of just casually said, just, oh, by the way, we're doing a podcast with um, Daniel D. Dye. And he just sort of went, what? Have you contacted him? <laughs> I said, yes. I said, we're Facebook friends. <laughs> so Yes, we are. <laughs> thank you for saying yes. I'm in the good books. Yeah, and, like, you, your, oh. name, your name come up, I don't know, a while ago, and I've gone, how do you know Daniel Dye? And she goes, we're Facebook friends. I said, since when? <laughs> and she goes, I've been Facebook friends with Michael. She goes, she goes, actually, I actually follow his son, Michael Dye. And I've gone, who? And she goes, oh. his son. His son's so much more excited than Daniel. And I've gone, really? <laughs> so, then I started, so then we started, then I started stalking yeah. Michael as well. He, so. stalk, he stalks you both now. And it's quite funny because I'm not into, like Jay and I are complete opposites. So it was, you know, he was a bit shocked that I actually followed you and um, you and your son. So there you go. Yeah, oh, I'll, have, I'll have to tell Michael too. He has mentioned that you guys are in there, and uh, that that that's going to really thrill him because he uh, he puts a lot of hard work in what he does. So he's fantastic. Yeah, um, you caught my attention um, a few years ago when oh, I don't know you put a post up, and I thought this guy knows what he's talking about, and then then you put a post up about snakes, and I went oh. Uh, and then I found out you're into herp, and I've gone, oh, I'm all over this guy. <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk about herp as we get into the actual podcast. And I reckon once we start talking about herp, Daniel, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll be just like having a conversation between two mates, two fellow yeah, herpers. Yeah, I, I won't get a say. I'll be butted out. Oh. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's get, let's get into it then. All right, give us a bit of a background, Daniel, as how you got into the industry and how long you've actually been into the industry and just a bit of an outline, I guess, in your career path. So we've all got a bit of a story. Sure. Give us a bit of a rundown. I can do that. I started, matter of fact, uh, January here, 2023 is uh, 46 years. I started in January of 1977. Wow. Uh, for an outfit in uh, out of Tampa. They were based in Tampa, at least the southeast office was. It was called ARAB, Termite Pest Control, 
which meant uh, it was American Rug and something or other. They weren't Arabs. They were just the name they came up with. <laughs> also, that's a strange name. It is a strange name, but uh, uh, just a quick story. I remember doing uh, some termite work at the University of Tampa, and uh, this fellow walked up to me, and, and he looked at the name, and ev- evidently he was Arabian, and he goes, are you a good company? And I said, yes, we're a very good company. He goes, good if you're going to use that name, you better be good. So <laughs> I was a little intimidated. You know, I'm like 20-something years old, and this guy looked kind of uh, scary at times just talking to me. But uh, anyway, that's where I got started and uh, stayed in the business. I-, I did step out a couple times for, you know, a couple years here and there just to do something different because when you have 46 years there of one thing, uh, sometimes you get bored. Yeah. Yeah. So and, just uh, quickly, what, just quickly, what did you get into when you took that break? I actually, uh, I did uh, uh, electronics. I'm a, I'm a hi-fi guy. I'm a, a what you call an audiophile, and I was building uh, vacuum tube amplifiers and stuff to sell. Oh wow! And I did fairly well. Yeah, and I did repair work on CD players and turntables and stuff like uh, that. So, uh, hence the vinyl obsession. Yes, I I do have a final obsession. <laughs> I I start off my day every morning with a with either a CD or or a, or a record, and I have my breakfast, and I listen to music, and then I turn on YouTube. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and and that's what I did mainly. Uh, and of course, I, I always got right back into pest control because. Uh, that's uh, that's where my heart was. I just needed a break, especially after I sold my own company back in uh, eighty seven or something like that. I've had two pest control companies. Oh, okay. What? Yeah. Just briefly, what happened there? So, um, so how long did I you, tell you? How long did you run them for? How big did you get them? You know, why did you sell them quickly? The first one uh, I ran for two years, and when I couldn't stand it anymore, uh, I'm a technical guy. Yeah, uh, I'm not a good business guy. I had a good partner, and, and he was fantastic. But I just said, it, and this is this is the honest truth, and I've told many people this: it was like having another wife and 15 children. <laughs> and <laughs> yep. And so I, I just I couldn't do it anymore. And uh, the second time I went in, uh, we didn't get as big, but I enjoyed it for about five years. And that's when uh, Yvonne and I decided to take the boys and move out of Tampa because uh, I just didn't like what was going on there, raising two boys, three boys, actually. And um, uh, so we moved up to a place called uh, Destin, Florida, up in the Panhandle. Um, and that's when I started working for Florida Pest Control, uh, which is where I retired from. Uh, they made me the training coordinator in 2002 and all the way until um, oh January 2nd of 2018 is when I retired. Oh, so okay. that's pretty much it. Yeah, okay. So you've been retired for a couple of years now? Oh, yeah. Five, five, yeah, five years. Hmm. I think okay. it's five. I got a little. Let me look at my... Fingers here for a moment. That's right. I, thought, yeah, I, I, thought, I had my head January just retired recently, but maybe because you are so busy still, and even within the industry, that you don't appear to be retired. <laughs> yeah, I am staying busy, but that's the the reason why is I want to stay sharp. I've had many uh, friends of mine who retired about the same time or even before, and uh, a couple of them within two years they're they're dead, they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really morbid. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, but you know, it's uh, that's what happens to some people. They just they just stop. And, yeah. and they no longer are active. They sit and watch TV and, you know, stuff like that. Me, I'm camping. I'm out taking photographs and stuff like that. So uh, retirement has been good, but you have to stay active. I'll be, I'll be turning 70 years old next month, and I want to keep oh, wow. going. Yeah. Well, you still guy. sound like you're 30 years old, Daniel. You yeah. still sound wonderful. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like it, but my body usually brings me back to earth very quickly. So, <laughs> did you have an interest in invertebrates or in wildlife or in nature before you got into pest control, or did that develop as you went through your career path? Oh, no, I've, I've always been interested in uh, inverts and reptiles, amphibians. Yeah, cool. uh, my mother... Uh, I drove her crazy because I would bring in uh, toads, you know, for, that I would catch in the yard and put them in a box in in my room, and they would sit there and make noises all night trying to get out of the box. And the males were always in there squeaking, making noises. So it drove my mom crazy, and I would have jars with uh, fireflies in there, <laughs> you know. So, so yeah. hey, like someone else I know. So you, you haven't grown out of it either, have you, Daniel? You still Not keep at all. It, yeah, yeah, I'm the same. Still keeping things in boxes <laughs> and, and tubs of things, and yeah, driving now. Uh, out. Not, I'm not yeah. driving mum crazy now. I'm driving my wife crazy now. I've given oh, my up. wife gets. I've given oh, up. You've given mean, up. Seriously, yeah. I've given up. It well, my wife gets me. upset. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, he well, he shouldn't. That's you know, it's his <laughs> <Yeah>. passion. <laughs> but my wife gets upset at me when she goes into the refrigerator and there's a. Uh, uh, oh, you know, no. a thing of, of roaches I brought <laughs> home from the university to photograph. I do have one snake left, a Florida pine snake, and I have right now a um, <laughs> uh, purse web spider in there that I captured a few days ago, not a few weeks ago, actually. So, uh, yeah. Okay, so you do keep uh, privately as well. So you do keep a few things as, as pets, so to speak, as well as going yes. out in the field. Yeah, not like I used to. I've, you know, I've had up to 30 snakes, you know, and then some spiders and, you know, just crazy turtles. But, you know, I just don't have the time for them right now. Um, it's just, plus, you know, I, I have fun with them in the, when I'm out looking for them, you know, yeah, I capture them. There's nothing, I reckon there's nothing more rewarding or exciting than actually finding and seeing them actually out in the wild and their be- natural behavior out in the wild. I know initially, so true. Yeah, I know initially when I was, you know, I first started getting in, it was all about, you know, catching them and keeping them and just, you know, keeping them. But now I get so much more fulfillment actually actually out finding them out in the wild and seeing them. Yes, absolutely. We are together on that one. And uh, it, it's, it's, I've studied them enough to know a little bit about them. And so now I just want to see them in their natural habitat. I, I'm I'm actually going way off tap here because I'm still I'm still thinking about poor um, poor Yvonne, your wife, like having to deal with all this. Um, there was an incident, Daniel, that I went through, and it still scars me to this day. <laughs> Jay, Jay had gone off to work. He was actually a baker at this at this time. We hadn't actually started pest control, and um, my dog kept sniffing the the freezer, the fridge. And I'm like, oh. what is going on? What? And it kept barking and barking and barking. It was one of those fridge freezers, upright fridge, fridge freezers, you know, freezer one side, fridge the other. So I've opened oh, yeah. the freezer and I am not kidding, there was live rats moving around <laughs> in the freezer. They were live. 
And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Well, I knew it was Jay straight away. So I've rang him and I said, you better get your ass back here right now. And he goes, I can't. I'm in the middle of a bake. And I said, well, you'll be in the middle of a divorce if you do not leave now and get home now. And he did. Well, I've never done that. No, so no like rats it, in the fridge. In my defense, like I used There's to. There's no defense. They shouldn't have been there. <laughs> so. I used to keep keep snakes, and I still do. But um, of course, I used to breed my own rats at the time, and then oh yeah, I just I used to you know knock them on the head, leave them on the bench, make sure they were dead, and then I had a desert designated drawer in the very very bottom of the freezer, which was my drawer. You know, you, I actually didn't know you had a designated drawer in our freezer. Well, I claimed it. <laughs> I claimed it. Anyway, <laughs> I was in a rush this particular day. Anyway, knocked these rats on the head and then just quickly threw them in the actual freezer. But little did I know, no, I didn't actually kill them. I'd actually just concussed them. And they come too. And it's amazing. I can believe they actually survived. They huddled together. Huddled and- together and then started eating their their buddies beside them. Yes. So yes. they'd actually been living in the freezer for like three days. It was incredible. Oh. Daniel, he now they has his amazing. own freezer. But it, yeah, it just highlights how resilient they are. Yeah. Lived no in the freezer for three days. <laughs> That's I just, amazing. I just think it highlighted obviously how much I loved you because we're still married because <laughs> I was not happy. But he, he does have his own freezer now. It is it's not allowed to go anywhere near our food or anywhere near my freezer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you don't want to go digging through that freezer. There is all sorts of things in there. Yeah, my Vine doesn't like the idea of me keeping frozen mice in the fridge and in the freezer uh, for for the snake. So, uh, but I think the worst she was creeped out is when I had, uh, I went to the University of Florida. I was doing a project for uh, MGK. I was photographing all the pest roaches, everyone that we have in the United States for them. And, uh, you know, I put them in there mainly to keep them alive and to keep them from uh, breeding anymore uh, because it was a pretty good amount of them. Uh, and because uh, I, I don't kill anything at, to photograph. Once I decide to photograph uh, an insect, uh, they're natural. They're not chilled because yeah, okay. they look weird. And, and uh, so when she would go in there and she sees all these trays in there with roaches <laughs> running around. So <laughs> I feel her pain. I really do. Yeah. It, uh, I mean, she, she enjoyed the check that came in, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, from all that work I did, but uh, she didn't care for it. So, <laughs> yeah, like I, uh, thank you. I've been known to <laughs> chill down a few snakes so that we can um, photograph them a little bit more safely and easier. Um, particularly particular, yeah. particular around the field and, you know, you, you pick up a, an eastern brown snake on a really hot day or a hot night and then you try and photograph oh. it and it's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's like a loaded gun. He's just wanting to nail you every chance. And so, yeah, we put oh, it in a pillowcase yeah. and pop it in the uh, the car fridge just for, you know, 10, 15 minutes just to cool him down a bit, slow him down a bit and just makes it a little bit more safer and easier to actually work with and try and photograph. He's, oh, he's, yes, he's absolutely. Threatened me. He's threatened to throw me in the freezer too to chill me. Uh, <laughs> and, and if I die, I've, I've been told I'm going in the freezer as well. So I'm just going to keep your best bits. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I want to. I wanna, um, right, let's I wanna, let's keep moving on. So, yeah. uh, what are some of your other credentials, Daniel? Obviously, we're, we're getting we're getting ahead of yes. ahead of ourselves here. Hey, no problem at all. I uh, I'm fully certified here in our state, um, which was uh, fumigation, you know, for dry woods and wood borers. 
Uh, I'm certified for termite, you know, termite work, uh, general household pest control, uh, you know, for um, you know, roaches and silverfish, that type of stuff. And also I have a lawn and ornamental certification, and I'm a, an associate certified entomologist. And pretty much that's it. And it's self-taught uh, pretty much all my my career. So yeah. Okay. Um and you also host a fairly popular website, Florida Backyard Snakes. Oh, yes. I forgot about that one. Yes. And I, I used to have Florida Backyard Spiders, too. Um, and I, I, I put that one down because it was just too much to keep, keep up with. So I still have Florida Backyard Snakes, which I started in the year 2000. Okay, so wow. that makes it what, 23 years old. Yes, that's yeah, right. Wow. So. Yeah, on the net. There wouldn't be too many websites, I reckon, that at that sort of age. And, and to start a website back then as well was, had a lot of foresight, I reckon. Oh, yeah. It was um, a lot of the photographs that I took in, back then were in film, you know, using um, my old Nikon F camera and uh, some slides and, uh, and regular film. And I, I went to a place in Fort Walton Beach that had a reptile house. It was the uh, Rangers, the Army Rangers. And they, they had the snakes there for training purposes, and I, I got to know them pretty well, and they furnished me with the, uh, with the snakes, the venomous ones, to photograph. And, and that, was, that was pretty good, and that's how I got started in, uh, in 2000. I did all the work in 1999 and then finally got it up on the web in 2000, September. Yeah, okay. So was that uh, your first real introduction into, I guess, proper herp? Um, I guess the question I'm leading to is like, what comes first, reptiles or inverts, as far as your passion goes, and what is your biggest passion? Oh, the inverts for sure. Okay. Uh, the reptiles are are second, yep. and, and I could say it's a close, a close first. Yep. <laughs> you know, almost equal, but uh, reptiles probably happen first. As a kid, I, I dug my first uh, pitfall trap up in Illinois and my dad was in the air force and um, I knew there were toads around and the American toad. So I dug the, a, a foot, a, a, a trap about a foot deep and I put little twigs and grass on top and I went out the next morning and sure enough, a uh, toad had fallen in the pitfall trap, which was amazing. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah. Uh, and of course I would chase snakes, water snakes and stuff like that. And uh, it's it's that was the first thing, and then I used to catch cicadas and fireflies and honeybees and all of that when I'm nine, ten years old. And uh, in Germany, as a very young man, before I could even speak English, my uh, my grandfather, my my opa, would call me uh, uh, Frog Boy because I would chase frogs all the time. So Frog Boy. Daniel yeah. died the second, now known as the Frog Boy. Frog Boy. <laughs> I forget the German translation. I have it written down somewhere. Uh, it will be uh, in something. Uh, are you familiar with the malice? Yes. You know, the, yep, uh, yep. Oh, got, yeah. I've got malice on the shelf here. Well, issue 11 should come out sometime, mm, sometime, and uh, hopefully and later on this year. They're still working on it. Okay. And I'm, I'm one of the editors. I did the stinging insect section of it. Oh, wow. And, uh, 
So when they asked me about myself, I included that story with my grandfather, and and it actually I used the German translation, and I I just don't remember it now. I have to go back and look. So <laughs> so anyway, yeah, inverts are number one now uh, because of uh, I photograph a lot of them, and uh, it's just yeah. I, I must uh, say, I'm yeah. I love your photography, mate. And photography is one thing that I'm extremely jealous about. I just I just do not have the patience to actually photograph anything. Um, all my mates are into photography, and when we go out on our field trips, you know, they all bring on their cameras and all their camera gear, and I just do not have the patience. I just want to – they find something, and they want to spend an hour photographing it, and I'm like, dude, take a snapshot with your phone. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. I want to go find something else. <laughs> well, and I, and I understand that. When I'm off with the boys and, and some of the other, you know, groups that I go off with, most of them are into reptiles and amphibians. So, uh, you know, and sometimes they're a mile ahead of me because I stopped to take a photograph of a beetle yeah. or something like that. And I, and I look up and I can't, I don't even know where they went. I yeah. know they're somewhere up there. So, and usually about an hour later, I run into them because they found a, a rattlesnake or something. And, you know, so I finally catch up with them. I must admit, my saving grace lately or recently is just the, the quality of uh, phone cameras now. Um, I've been able to take some, you know, very specky shots just yes. with my phone. And, you know, my mates will, you know, spend an hour propping them with all the flashlights going and get this. And when I'll just walk up with my phone and just go snap and then I'll sort of zoom in and, you know, crop a little bit and then I'll show them and they'll be so jealous. And they, go, they go, piss off. You go away with your phone camera, will you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I do take a lot with the phone too. The, the uh, you know, the phones have come a long way. I oh, have a, incredible. I have an Apple 13, I think it is now, or something. And, and I'll, I'll take a voucher shot with that, but I always have my other camera near me. And I keep it simple. I'm a bit of a minimalist. Uh, minimalist, not a mentalist. <laughs> minimalist. <laughs> a bit of both. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of both there. <laughs> and uh, so I always have that. So I always get my quality pictures using my, uh, my Lumix. I have a G9, and uh, it's macro. I always keep my macro lenses on it so but anyway yeah inverts love them <laughs> yeah you never stop learning and there's always something different to find and and that's i think that my mates love taking me out because you know they're mostly into reptiles but i'm out there and i'm finding all this other this invert stuff and they're like you know i'm just adding that other extra element to the actual trip um just to keep us all sort of keep it exciting the one that jumps in there and grabs them and don't care if you're going to die. You just get in there and do it. <laughs> What's well, you know, not one, one, one thing you'll notice, uh, and it may have, if it hasn't happened to you yet, that showing the the you know interest in inverts and stopping, a lot of times, a, a lot of the people that I'm off with, all of a sudden they start getting the interest in it as well. Yeah, and then they start. You know, they stop and they start taking photographs, and uh, you know, you, you you have an influence on some people there. So it's, it's if it hasn't happened yet, it will. Yeah, well, I uh, a few years back, I started to take a bit of an interest in termite mounds, just different shaped termite mounds when I was traveling across Australia. And um, now and then I go across, go out with friends and mates, and I'm like, stop, 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 and they go, whoa, 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 and they jump on the brakes, thinking that I've spotted a, you know, a lizard basking on a termite mound or a snake crossing the road, and um, and then I swing around and run back, and they go, whoa, 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 and I say, termite mound, look at it, and they're going, you made us nearly die, roll the car for a termite mound that's not going anywhere, and I go, you don't understand, I didn't want to drive too far and miss it, um, but I've started taking photographs of 
termite mounds, and they're great to take photographs of because they don't move, they don't run away, they're not going to bite you. Um, but now my mates, when they're travelling around, they'll find a particular termite mound, and I'll keep getting these termite mounds sent to me, photos of termite mounds sent to me that they've spotted on their travels as well. So even they've become no. a little bit addicted to it. I wish we had them here. We don't have those type things. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're pretty impressive over here. So no, I bet. Yeah. Well, I saw I saw Nikki on one of her pictures, uh, like one of her birthday pictures. She was. <laughs> yeah. I can't even remember taking that one actually. <laughs> You're posing on the termite mound. I, I got a kick out of it. <laughs> I can't remember that one, but he's obviously kept that one on his phone. He's. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's my wallpaper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's awesome. I'm getting used to it now. Like I take my Kindle everywhere we go. So uh, whenever we're travelling on a on a road trip, I just sit there with my Kindle, and the car stops, it goes, it stops, it goes, it goes. and I just keep <laughs> sitting there reading my Kindle because I know he's going to stop again in 15 minutes' time to look at another termite mound or another animal. So or a roadkill, yeah. anything. <laughs> just I'm, I'm getting well, used to it now. Getting used to well, it. Well, I, I, I'm pretty blessed. My wife, Yvonne, uh, she's into reptiles too. She has oh, her own camera. That. I've been watching that. Yeah. Oh, God, please, I hope Jay doesn't notice that. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, she, she, oh, she'll jump out. I remember one time I pulled over and it, the, the road was at, at a, uh, you know, the shoulder was at a slope. And when she got out of her side, she rolled down the hill. <laughs> 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 she lost her footing and she goes blah, 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 blah. it was all I could do was laugh so, so did Yvonne's interest come after meeting you or was she always had that little bit of an inkling as well or oh no no she was a proper you know female type uh, <laughs> it, 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 so was she, you know, said was <laughs> she uh, I married well above what I should have I think and uh, no she was uh, <laughs> She was a she was a lady. Now she should jump out and grab the snake. You know she's she's really good at it. You Don't know, look so. at me like that, Jay. Do not look at me like that. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> well, oh. She's, she's she's like five feet. You know, <laughs> so she's she's dynamite. Yeah, I've been following some some of her stuff too because I'm friends with her on Facebook as well. <laughs> so yeah. I've been following Yvonne as well. Um, all right, so. Her cooking, her cooking is one. <laughs> yeah, no, well. I, I, the cauliflower. The cauliflower one was great. I made that yeah. for Jay the other night. The, the oh, cauliflower excellent. with the mayonnaise and the, the parmesan cheese, and it was beautiful. Oh. Thanks oh, a lot. I, that was I, a great I, tip. <laughs> I ate more than I should have, I tell you that. So <laughs> Yeah, we ate the whole cauliflower. <laughs> we ate the whole thing. <laughs> so it wasn't good for my weight. All right, well, no. I want to um, um, find out what, what are some of the yeah. more interesting changes you've seen in the industry, Daniel? Obviously, 46 years, you would have seen a bit of evolution of the industry. Yes, it, it has evolved uh, quite a bit, actually, from what I got in. Of course, we had some very harsh products, uh, Vaponet, you know, DDVP here in the United States, uh, Durasband, Diazinon, all that stuff is gone now. And, and, and it was good stuff if, if it was used properly. Some of that's, and, still, uh, some of that's still here. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Are still here, and Diaz. Oh, well, they just took Diaz and off actually. Oh, it's not a band ago. over there. We, we're still using. Diclovos is still here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We um, we got to use what we had. You know, once they uh, took it away from us, we, we we still had. You know, if we had inventory, we used it up. As long as you had a, a current label. Um, but one thing that has changed quite a bit is 
Um, the the methods we used to just walk into the house. And if you're right-handed, you turn right and you sprayed all the baseboards and the yes. windows and all that. Yes. You know. <laughs> You'd say that, all that, the right uh, things today, Daniel. Anti-clockwise. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I always called it counterclockwise. So yes. <laughs> so and, and that has changed quite a bit, although it's still out there because a lot of customers expect it. And um, unfortunately, there's uh, pest control professionals, I guess you could call them professionals, that won't take the time to educate their customers um, and, and explain you know, that the new techniques work so much better. And uh, it, it's, it's a shame, but, you know, that, that's one of the, the changings I, changes I see coming, but not rapidly enough where, you know, uh, the technicians, uh, I, I guess maybe they just don't have the time to take to educate their customers at time because of the, the workload. Yeah, I mean, so, it, it uh, definitely takes time to educate the customers. And, yeah, unfortunately, there's technicians just want to get in there and get the job done and get out again. And um, it yeah. is hard to change. Yeah, definitely hard to change. But, um, but something, like I think I discussed this with Jerry, is that, you know, because I follow you guys in the U.S. quite um, closely and, Australia is probably, I reckon, about 10 years behind the US, um, I reckon, in the actual the pest management culture. We've got a long way to go before we sort of get to um, that real, you know, heavy IPM um, that you're talking about and referring to. Yeah, um, but it starts with you, really. Uh, so um, as, as the owner and managing of yeah. technicians, it, it has to start with, with you guys to uh, pretty much talk to your technicians and, and guide them in a different way because uh, there's so many good products out there now. One thing we used to have to do when it comes to termites, we had to drill every block if we had a, depending on this type slab, we had a thing called a floating slab yep. or a supported slab, and every void had to be drilled and go beyond that and treat the inside of the void and the backside of the uh block itself and then of course trench and treat the out around the outside and with new products like termidor yeah uh, you know, that that has gone away all we do now is trench and treat treat the activity you know the active spots and pretty much that's it unless you're dealing with something like formosans and then uh all bets are off you better do a big conventional treatment at that point yeah terminal is so, very terminal is very forgiving isn't it um, I know when I first sort of come into the industry, you know, terminal owners just sort of come into the industry and we're just sort of, but, you know, we used to do what we call infill slabs. So, yeah, we had to drill internally, pull the carpal floor coverings back and drill internally oh, yeah. as well as externally. But, um, you know, a lot of the guys coming into the industry now would just be horrified at what we used to have to do back then. Oh, yeah, it would. Uh, I, that's how I got started. I was actually a termite technician when I first started with ARAP back in 1977. And um, I would uh, go out on a on a slab that was a full drill, and I would be there all day long, yep. uh, treating and patching and all that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, another change that I saw is uh, the way German roaches are being treated. Um, baits have revolutionized uh, yes. the the control of, of uh, roaches and such. I love baits, 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 baits. I've written several articles about baits, and uh, even on the cemetery. So that was another change um, and backing up a little bit, going from chloridane to chlor, uh, what was it called? Uh, 
Derzban TC, uh, and then TC to Pryphon, and then Primus, and then finally Termidor. A lot of good changes. There's hope for the future uh, of this industry if we can just keep the education going. Yeah, definitely. And and I think the the public are are actually demanding it now. People, uh, the public are a lot more aware and a lot more concerned about the products we actually use now. Especially where we are. Yeah, yeah, we've got a real... Very eco-friendly where we live, you know. Yeah, up here. Mm. Yeah, same here, same here. We're getting there. Um, Yeah. Uh, all right, and so and look, you know, I know in the US, it's all about you know, the, you know the talk of the chat is about all developing that route that you know that frequent services, um, you know, and external only. Is that always been the case or the culture in the US, or is that just something that's just, just sort of come about in the last sort of couple of decades? It's it's something that has not caught on here in the in Australia yet, but I reckon it's coming. Well, it, it, we when I got in the business, it was always uh, either monthly accounts or bi-monthly. And, and that's, uh, that's, your, that's your domestic? Yes, domestic. Yeah, yeah see, in, so, Australia, uh, in Australia, it's always been just annual, always been annual. Gradually, like we're doing six monthly now in our, our business, and I know a few other companies are starting to sort of go that same sort of way. But, yeah, monthly, bi-monthly for domestic is just unheard of. Um, definitely commercial. Definitely commercial, you know, all our commercial yeah. services are sort of that monthly, bi-monthly, you know, quarterly if it's very low pressure. But, yeah, domestic, unheard of. And that's why I've just wondered, in, interested in the U.S., is that something that's just come about in the last couple of decades, you know, with the evolution of the pest management culture in the U.S., or has it always been the case? Yes. Uh, no, it's, it's come around, like you said, about two decades ago. We started not going inside. Yeah. Um, actually, maybe even less time than than that, because um, we always went inside. We did the perimeter, then we did the outs, you know, the, you yeah. know, whatever we had to do. And and but more recent, I would say, as of maybe fifteen years ago, possibly something like that, give or take a little, um, we started doing exterior only and going inside only when there was a problem in there. Uh, now on the initial service. You always went inside. Yes. You, you would go in there and you would bait. You would take care of whatever problem was there and go back again in 30 days if it was a bad German roach problem or two weeks or whatever, uh, you know, it called for. And uh, and then after that, it uh, it was a quarterly service and outside only unless requested to go inside. Okay. So and that's that's how we did it. Do you think that's come about because of to minimize that use of pesticide internally, or is it just simply to make things more efficient and streamlined and quicker? Uh, well, it's uh, both actually, but the, the main reason, in my opinion, is that the products are so good now. Yeah. Uh, let, let's face it. There's when you have a German roach problem inside. It's because the German roaches were brought in from an outside source somehow, yeah, you know, bagged. Or, in somehow. Yeah, and um, but um, but most of the time, anything that gets inside has to go through the uh, the outside first. Comes in, you know, doors, cracks, thresholds, stuff like that. And so, by treating the outside and uh, thoroughly and spending your time out there and doing a good exterior inspection, you could uh, you could actually put the products out that actually last uh, that long as long as you apply those products in the proper places. Now, if you just go around the outside and and, and spray around the window with a fan spray or along the eave or fascia, uh, that's, that's going to be gone within a few days to a week because it's being hit by the weather 
you know, the sun, the rain, the wind, and everything else. But if you force those products up, let's say up in a soffit where the soffit and the exterior wall meet, uh, a lot of times there's a nice running crack right there, and you just force your product up there out of the weather, and you'll get, you know, a month or so. Uh, and, and sometimes even longer, depending on, you know, the, the outside sources and stuff like that that would break it down. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a firm believer in doing the exterior, but I'm also a firm believer in doing it properly, yeah. not just going through the, the, the motions of, of spraying around the door, spraying the threshold, spraying around the windows, you know, with the fan spray. And, you know, it, it, that's just sloppy, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> hey, something I want to chat about is assessment-based pest management, all right? Mm-hmm. It's a term that uh, I only really just heard recently from Dinny Miller, um, and she was referring yeah. to it and using it um, in more so in multi-unit complexes, in particular for German cockroaches. And it was, a, I guess, when she described this to me, described it to me, I thought, you know, I was well aware of that concept, but never actually heard it being giving, uh, given a name or a, or a term or a title. Um, you know, and we do it pretty much in, um, you know, in commercial services, particularly with flying insects. Um, but I noticed you commented on it or used that term just recently in a post, and yeah, it sort of caught my attention once again. What explain to us what assessment based pest man- management is, and and what your thoughts is on it versus integrated pest management. Well, that's the what I can do is compare it to integrated. Uh, we know that um, IPM was actually came to us from the ag agricultural end of it, where they decided that uh, let's go out there and look at the crops, and if it reaches a certain threshold, then we need to do something about it. But if it's below that threshold, just let it be. Um, and 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 that really doesn't work for for pest control for interiors, whether it's commercial or or, you know, residential, because if you think about it, customers, uh, they don't have any tolerance mm-hmm. at all to any pest. Yeah. You know, they're, you know, if you say it's only one, <laughs> well, no, I don't want to see that one. And, and that's very much the way my wife is. If she sees a roach, <laughs> all hell breaks loose around here. So, <laughs> so, so, but um, no, it's, I, I think the assessment based pest management is more in line with what we do as pest control professionals. You, you, you have to go out there, and the first thing you should do is is uh, inspect the property you're about to treat or give an estimate on or whatever the case may be thoroughly and assess what's going on and then come up with some type of control solution uh, whether it be uh, mechanical, you know, exclusion, uh, whether it be baits or maybe some liquid treatment. Uh, you, you have to assess it first and then decide how to, to, to take care of it instead of just going in there and willy-nilly put baits out and spray and whatever the case may be. I call it spray and pray or yep. bait and wait, yep. you know, the, the bait and wait part. Uh, if you put, don't put the baits in the right place, it's not any good. It just sits there. And so, and, and, and that's the way I look at assessment based. It's just more in tune with uh, the pest control industry. Uh, assess it first and then come up with a solution. Okay, Denny Miller explained it a little bit differently, actually. So, and I, but I guess it's a, a situation, um, situational thing where she explained it like multi-unit complexes where you know German cockroaches are an issue. Instead of going in and you know doing the 
charging the per door type thing and the the technicians under the pump and just doing every unit every unit yeah. the same way minimalistic in and out in and out and not really ever getting on control of it the way she described it is you go in you put likes of glue boards in um, you identify the problem units um, and then you put all your energies and efforts into those problem units um, you know so you're still spending the same amount of time still using about the same amount of product but you put you're concentrating your efforts or uh, on those real problem areas and she found that in those particular case examples that they use that they'll actually able to you know reduce or manage the um the cockroach problem significantly more efficiently than just going in just hitting it quickly in and out so hmm. yeah no and i agree with that that's that's her definition because that's where she uh has concentrated most of her energy with uh section eight housing that's what we yeah. call it here okay, uh, yeah. And um, uh, so her, the way she came up with that is is genius, I, uh, and I agree with her 100%. That's the way those commercial uh, units should be uh, dealt with, but it also flows over into a residential. Yeah, that's what that's, I guess that's what I was sort of leading to with you is how it actually could um, apply to residential. Um, but, yeah, I think you've described it quite well. And, and it's 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 very similar to IPM uh, as far as the way the pest control industry looks at IPM. I just think the IPM terminology is is not ours. And yeah, the, it, it sort of gets it, used incorrectly. I don't know. It, has, it comes with this sort of you know we use IPM, we IPM, and oh yeah. I, I just say I think uh, Dini's a, a um, what do you, what do you call it? Um, APM is is just more. For us, yep. you know, uh, it's it's our own. Let's put it that way. How's that I sound? I love the concept. I I want to put it into our business. I think it's. I, I just better. I just love Dinny. <laughs> You'll yeah, disagree with anything that she she's, says. She's, <laughs> she is fantastic. She's a graduate of uh, University of Florida uh, through Dr. Kaler, and um, I've known Dee for I don't know several years now. Uh, I've actually I haven't shared the stage with her, but I've been a speaker at the same. Uh, uh, you know, association meetings as her, and I have I've had a few conversations with her. She's fantastic. We well, all love her. Funny um, when because we've not long come back from the Fayotma Summit in Japan, and I spotted Dinny, and we've been talking on Facebook as I do, and so mm-hmm. I've gone racing over, and I said Dinny, and and I said it's Nikki. We've been talking on Facebook, and she goes, Oh yes, and then we had this big conversation, and then Jay's come up, and he's just like, I'm lurking on the sidelines. How the hell? <laughs> How do you know Dinny? <laughs> <laughs> you, need, you need to check her Facebook every now and then just keep up. <laughs> and anyway, I've managed to convince her to come on this podcast too. So yeah. that, that's, oh, that's happening soon. Yeah. So I was just talking to her this morning, actually. So I, I just tend, yeah. I just tend to stalk people that and lurks. lurks. Yeah. And, and Nikki, she just reaches out to them and just chats to them. Well, I didn't oh, realize wow. he he really had this professional crush on her. It wasn't until. Me and Denny took some photos together, and then he was yeah. sulking. And I said, "What's the matter with you?" And he goes, "I wanted a photo with Denny too." And I said, "Well, just go up and ask." And he goes, "I can't go up and ask." So yeah. I, did, I went up. I said, "Can Jay have a photo with you, please?" Yeah, I have a photo with her and Yvonne's there as well. So I got one of those around here somewhere. Yeah, oh, she's <laughs> so. amazing. I love. Her. I can't wait to get her on actually. But I get moving forward. Um, in your in your opinion. Is the pest management industry heading in the right direction, Daniel? 
Yes, and maybe. How, how does that sound? I, yeah, I think it is. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think education is appears to be getting better um, from what I can see. Uh, when I'm out and about and I, I, you know, when I go to these association meetings, uh, I may be a speaker for one day, maybe for both days. But if it's only one day, I stay for both because I'll sit through every speaker, every one of them. And that's what keeps me sharp. And I notice that it's it's getting more oriented towards teaching instead of selling a product. And, and that's that's something that uh, I have refused to do is being sponsored by, um, you know, by one of the companies uh, to go out there. And God, speak. Sounds like us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and I, cause that, I don't want to, you know, although that product may be really good, that's not what I'm there for. I always say, use your favorite product. And, um, uh, you know, uh, so it, education is getting better. You know, there's people out there like Alan Fewer out of New Mexico and and several others um, that really are teaching, um, you know, how to to be a better technician uh, rather than, you know, teaching, you know, what products work and which products don't. You know, the product is is just a tool. Uh, what you have to do is is know you know, your, your adversary, you know, I've said that many times, know your, your enemy, you know, know all you can about them. And I see that's happening a lot more now. So I think, I, yeah, I, th- I think things are getting better. At least I hope so. Yeah, one, of my, one of my favorite sayings that I keep using repeatedly is um, you have to understand your quarry before you can hunt your quarry. Um, you know, the that's best, right. the best anglers are always those that take the time to actually understand different fish species and their different behaviors um, so yeah, the same thing applies to pest management. You got to understand each individual's yeah. biology. Absolutely, Nikki. I think you actually. Uh, I did a post on on pest cemetery uh, to that, and oh, I think I that's how yes. you responded. Yeah, yeah you I responded pinched, that way. I pinched Jay's line. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Make me sound intelligent. <laughs> I pinch his lines all the time. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I do the same thing. I borrow lines from people all the time. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, if they're good, if they're good I'm going to go with them. And, you know, he, he does come up oh, with yeah. some good ones sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a man so, of one-liners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anyway, that's, I, I'm hoping things are getting better. Uh, you know, I, I know that uh, Pest Cemetery has tried hard to uh, point, our, you know, our members in the right direction. And once in a while, we actually have to go in there and straighten somebody out or even kick them out. I hate to do that, and Jerry hates to do that too, but, you know, some people aren't programmed to receive output only. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Um, obviously, one of your strong points is identification. You got any tips for our listeners, for those that really want to develop their identification skill set um, or just simply improve their um, identification skills? Yes. Uh, my, my main thing is, is always research, you know, uh, before you make an identification of any insect, don't guess at it. Uh, you know, look, look it up. And uh, I, I think if, if people would take the time to learn basic biology of the pests that they deal with, um, then, uh, you know, they'll be a lot better off if they can ID an insect right off the bat. Because um, sometimes you'll see an occasional invader inside. It may may look like a pest, but yeah. it may not be. And people get all crazy over it. So uh, 
it, it's you've, you've got to study. You've got to research. I mean, I have books here. I'm looking at my bookcase to my left, and then inside the living area, I have another bookcase in there full of full of books and stuff. And uh, it's it's all research, research, research. You know, if you're un, 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 you just don't know what that thing is, then look at it and then start going through through the books. You know, start figuring out know the difference between a beetle and a hemipteran or you know a fly and a and a, a bee or a wasp and stuff like that know that know that flies have two wings instead of four you know it, it'll it's just you've got to study 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 i wish i had something more concrete but uh, uh, I think that's it, how i did it yeah i think it, you knocked the nail on the head you know one of the things I encourage people to do is every time you see an insect or something that you're not you don't know what it is collect it take it home you know research it try and see if you can have a crack at trying to identify it yourself and the more times you do that the more um the more you develop your your skill set and actually being able to identify you know different insects or different inverts i should say um and then after a while you start recognizing or you know certain features on an insect that go hey that's different that's unique um yeah. and then i think also the, one of the key things you said there is you know learn about the biology of you know the different insects and i know myself i tend to more id a lot more over situational details more so than the actual specimen itself um mm-hmm. i always ask you know what's the scenario what's the situation and more often than not i can identify it by the scenario or the situation more so than the actual uh, the insect itself. So once you understand our biology, um, it just makes identification so much easier. And I think yeah, oh, yeah. practice, practice, practice. Um, I think some people tend to you know take a photo of it and put it straight up on Facebook and go, what's this? Instead of actually sort of having a crack yourself. And when you have a crack yourself, you actually learn and develop those those techniques and those strategies of how to actually at least narrow it down to you know either the order or family or genus even. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's good to know where to start. Yeah, um, and I like what you're saying because one way you can ID certain ant pests is their their characteristics, how they're trailing. Oh, hundred um, percent. Yeah, you know stuff like that. So that's uh, an excellent way yeah. to at least get you started, and then you can research it from there. I, I, you know, find, I find that my eyesight sort of gradually sort of. Fading just a little you bit. Need glasses. I do not need glasses. They told yet. you you need glasses. <laughs> <laughs> my distance sight is really, really good. But I, no, I can ID most ants, or definitely my local species. I can identify local species ants just from a big distance, just by looking mm-hmm. at their behaviour. Um, you know, my eyesight's not good enough that I can now look at them on my finger and go, "Oh, yeah, it's this," because I can see the, you know, the pale tarsi or the the nodes on its petiole. I can't see yeah. that anymore without a hand lens or a, a good microscope these days. But I can ID just simply by their behaviour, standing back from a distance. That's that's I'm the same way. I, I can see distance very well. Yeah, uh, up close, get it. I have to put on glasses. And when I'm in the field, which I haven't been in quite a while, everything I do now is just teaching and such. Um, I always had a hand lens in my pocket, always. Then uh, the hand lens I carried was a 5, 10, and 20, uh, three lenses that you can com- combine for, what's, what's that, uh, five, uh, 35 millimeter. And um, uh, it, it's, that, that thing has saved me many times by just looking through there and IDing what that ant is by just looking at the, uh, the antennae 
and the and the uh, the nodes yeah. we call them. And so, no, you're you're on it. Um, it's you know a lot of people on the cemetery. You know, I do a lot of ID, but rarely will I go in there and just say what it is without researching it first. Even though I may know what it is, or at least I think I know what it is. I just don't blur it out. I do a quick search just to make sure I'm correct. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. People, you know, sort of view me as this idea guru as well. But the truth of the reality is that I'll see something on, you know, a post on Facebook. If if I'm really, really familiar with it, yeah, I'll just blur it out because I know it straight away. But more often than not, I'll look at it and go, oh, I am familiar with this. I Mm -hmm. I think I'm pretty sure I know what it is. But I've got a bit of a photographic memory in the sense that I can remember, I could remember where I've seen that image or photo somewhere or in a book somewhere and I'll go straight to my, my library or shelves of books and I'll quickly... In the middle of the night, you'll get up in the middle of the night, get his books. <laughs> and I'll flick through to the page because I remember seeing, I know which which chapter it's in and I know which page it's on. Um, I just remember seeing it or even online, um, I know where I can find it and I'll just double check, yeah, yeah, I am right, yep. Yeah. Uh, or no, I was well off. But yeah, people think I'm this idea gear and I can, you know, Straight away, but no, I've got to research quite a lot of times, but I know how to research, I know how to look or double check. That so. That is a, a good characteristic. Uh, uh, my tongue just went crazy. You and I are very much alike that it's way because I know. Me, actually, how <laughs> <laughs> much alike you are. <laughs> Jay, I, I tell you, I have a, a mental images in my head, and I think I need to defrag it and organize it all. And <laughs> I'll, I'll see something, and I know what it is, and I'll do the same thing you do. I know where to find it. Yeah. What book it was in, what, what, uh, who even listed it last on Facebook or whatever the case is. Um, and, and that's how I ID things because there's a mental picture in my mind on, on what those things are. And uh, I may not find the name in my head, but I definitely have the image. Yeah. You know? so, the problem is, yeah, Daniel, so. like with, with, our, with our staff, he expects they've all got photographic memories as well. And, yeah. <laughs> and he gets frustrated. <laughs> I'm like, we don't all have a photographic memory like you, Jay. Just, I, I don't understand. Yeah. I said, I, sh- I showed you this a couple of weeks ago. Hey, can you not remember this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. I, it takes I, a special I, person. Yeah. That's fantastic that you can do that because uh, I, I relate to uh, what you just said because I'm, I'm exactly the same way. Yeah. And the funny thing is, too, sometimes people, they don't know where to start as far as researching. Sometimes I'll just look at a beetle and it'll just have some particular marking or characteristic on it or, you know, even a spider in particular. And, you know, I'll just type in that characteristic in Google and then I'll just put a rough location where it's found and then I'll just go to Google Image Search and I'll just scroll through the images and I go, ah, there, there it is. is, or there it is, or that's something that's, I know I'm on the right track there, or, and I'll look at what family it belongs to or what genus it is, and then I'll start looking, and I'll search that genus, and I'll start going through Google Images, and it's just a process of elimination or narrow it down, but it's amazing how many times I can ID something just simply by recognising just a particular characteristic or feature on that that I feel is unique or different. Um, and, and I use the analogy too. It's no, it's no different to a mechanic. A mechanic can pop a bonnet of a car and look at it, you know, the, the engine underneath and identify all the different components or parts of the actual, under the actual bonnet and, you know, notice something that's particular. Whereas I lift a bonnet now and look at it and go, Ooh. um, <laughs> <laughs> yep, <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Um, whereas I think, yeah, if you look at, look at, 
you know, something enough times you, you recognise particular features or something, in the, a particular characteristic that's just a bit unique or different. And you can certainly use that characteristic to really narrow down that identification. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. What do you love most about the pest industry, mate? Uh, the, the challenges mainly because uh, uh, I love being challenged and that's something that I was sent out on quite a bit uh, when, when there was a problem at one of our branches and we had 20 branches when I was a training coordinator. Uh, they would say, Daniel, can you go to Orlando or Daniel, can you go here or there? They're having a problem they can't solve. And, uh, you know, I, I just I enjoyed that uh, because I, I took pride and being able to figure it out. Uh, matter of fact, I do business with one of our hospitals here in, um, in further south below me, you know, down in Tampa Bay area. And they've called me twice on issues that they couldn't figure out and uh, went in there and, and I, I took care of it all within a few hours. So it's, it's the challenge and, and using what you've learned to, uh, to solve the problem. And not only that, at the same time, you're teaching, um, you know, other people that are there with you, how to, uh, how to solve the problems, how to, how, how to start and how to finish. So that's it. The challenges. Yeah. There's very few industries where you can use your bizarre obsession to actually solve people's problems. <laughs> I like that. It's bizarre for sure. <laughs> it's one way of looking at it, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Cool. Well, if you had, if you had an opportunity to do it all again, Daniel, would you, do, would, would you do it differently? Uh, probably not. I'm a firm believer in that, you know, that my path is guided by the Lord above. <laughs> and anything that has happened has probably been out of my, oh, what's the word I'm looking for, out of my control, desire or okay. control. Yeah. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but if I had to go back and do one thing, I would probably have uh, – went ahead and got my degree in entomology because uh, everybody already thinks I'm an entomologist and I'm not, I'm not, I'm self-taught. I'm just an ace. Um, and I, I just, I kind of wish I had, um, I had the, uh, the time and the money back then to, uh, to get my degree. That would be the only thing I could think of. Here's a question I love to ask everyone who inspires you and why? Oh, as far as the industry is concerned, one of my uh, teachers back in the early days of ARAB, his name was uh, Cecil Giles, and he was an instructor. He, he, he's the one that taught and teaches all the new people that would come in. In my first year there, he uh, was one of my instructors, and he had a special way of teaching uh, pest control and entomology and stuff like that. And he wasn't an entomologist either. He was just a great instructor. And I remember saying back then that I want to do that. I want to be just like him. And when I got the opportunity in 2002 to be the training coordinator, a lot of the training uh, that I performed was right after what he taught me, you know, how to be uh, you know, uh, uh, interesting, how to keep their attention and, not kill him by PowerPoint and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so he was a big influence. And then when I did go to uh, Gainesville as a training coordinator, Bruce McGowan, who was our head entomologist there, uh, taught me how to research, even if I know that I know. Um, he was a massive influence. And um, there's, there's other people as well, Jerry Wagner, 
Um, he's become a very good friend. Uh, Stoy Hedges, of course, Jerry, um, and uh, and then there's um, you know people like Alan Foyer. Uh, there's there's so many. We would be here for another hour if I mentioned everybody. <laughs> Jay would <laughs> love that. <laughs> yeah. not our well, some of those names I recognise, but yeah, some are like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to search that name. <laughs> he will. He'll listen well, they, to this podcast and search all their names. Yeah, I tell you. Look up uh, Story Edges. He's um, he's the one that came out with all the uh, pest control technology books. They're field guides, uh, oh. PCT field guides. Yeah, yep, yep. And um, he's the one that actually asked me if I would uh, edit the stinging insect section of the malice that's coming out. Um, and to be able to do that was an honor. Uh, it took me out of my comfort zone because that's a historic book. Oh, that's very um, cool. Very, very cool. Yeah, it, it started, but what back in 1947 or something like that? And there's ten issues out there now with, you know, great people like Doc Frischman and um, you know Paul Bellow. There's so many uh, that are. Yeah, I'm talking about the, on the state side of stuff over here of people that we look up to, and to be part of that was just an honor, and to be part of that malice history. Is is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And I hope my, there's a lot of contributors to that book. It's uh, it's pretty impressive. A ton of a ton yeah. of them, and and to be part of it now is is quite an honor. It's it's humbling, you know, because if if we went back ten years from you know back and somebody said that all this would be happening, I would look and laugh at them because I was just like everybody else. I was a technician, uh, pest control, lawns, termite, all that stuff, and. All of this didn't start happening until I retired, uh, and it, it just kind of, by the grace of God, here I am. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, that's awesome. So, so you have been retired for a few years now, Daniel. Mm-hmm. Any five? Current, five. Lucky you. He's counting them. Yeah. Lucky you. And it's not like you've retired, that's for sure. Um, but any current projects or plans? Yeah, uh, I do. Uh, this uh, at the end of the month, I'm going to be speaking in New Mexico. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. That's uh, I get to see some old friends and meet some new ones, and uh, I'm just looking forward to that. And then uh, the first Friday in uh, February, I, I'm given a spider talk. Uh, it's it's called the first Friday teaching or something like that with FMC. Uh, so I'll be, I'll be doing that. It, it's an hour long. Uh, I, I don't know if do you guys use FMC products there. Yes, yes, yep, yep. yep. Bio, Bioflex. Yeah, yep. if, if you can get a hold of your um, uh, your your guy there or gal, and you know, hop in there, that would be great. Uh, it's the first Friday in February, and and they, by the way, they have it every, the first Friday of every month. Different topics, different speakers. Oh, okay. And uh, and I just finished. Well, I didn't just finish. I, I did a book last year. It's called Key Questions in Urban Pest Management, a Study and Revision Guide with uh, Partho Dang and Dr. Phil Kegler and Roberto uh, through Cabby International. Uh, it's been out now for almost a year. Uh, that I love. And I'm taking on another project with uh, a company here in north central Florida where I'll be uh, teaching their people every, every other month or so on uh, two-hour classes and I'm rewriting their training uh, manual. So uh, 
But uh, it doesn't uh, sound like you've actually retired. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, you know, there's still a lot of time in there to go camping and uh, go weekends with my son. Because when we camp, it's rough. We're in a tent. and uh, You got a uh, tent? I don't even, well, mate, I swag it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have a, I have a camper here, too, that my wife and I use when we take off. But, uh, you know, I, I, I like to stay busy. And, of course, I have photo jobs to do and all that kind of stuff. I'm writing uh, issues now for our university, uh, the Florida Pest Management Association. They asked me if I would do a periodical in there calling dyes, D-Y-E apostrophe S experiences or something. I, I okay. forget. The cool. title. <laughs> so uh, the first one I've already sent to him, and that should be out in a month or so. So other than that, I'm I'm just hanging around the house eating meat. So <laughs> I've seen that you've been playing around with. Uh, it dis- actually looks good. I've been looking because because I've stopped eating meat for the time being. So I'm looking at your meat. Now. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. really go that right now. Well, see, I went the other direction. I, I dropped all carbs, and I'm pretty much carnivore. I, I do eat, you know, uh, green leafy vegetables and stuff, but and some fruits that I grow here. But pretty much, I I don't I don't eat sugars hardly any at all. You know, and I'm much better off. My blood yeah. work is fantastic. You know, I'm my wife the same way. She lost, gosh, what forty pounds or something like that. Wow, it's amazing. So, anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I'm referred to as the carb monster, carb monster in our household. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I figured I made it. To, I figured I'm, I'm going to make it to seventy if I make it through until the twenty seventh of next month, I might as well go ahead and start taking care of myself. I just wish I knew, you know, back when I was 30, what I know now, you know, about nutrition and stuff. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but, I'm still trying to get that through Jay's head. If, if there's food around, if there's yeah. food on the bench, he will eat it. And yeah. our eldest daughter, she made a, a birthday cake for her, her little French bulldog, <laughs> a dog birthday yeah. cake. It was like a doggy mix that she bought from the pet shop, and it looks like a chocolate cake. And I said to her, please don't leave that on the kitchen bench because Dad will come home from work and he'll eat it. And she goes, yeah, yeah, no, that's okay. I'll move it. Well, she didn't move it. And I swear to God, he walked in and I was like slow motion. I was watching him. I didn't even have time to say don't eat the cake because he he spotted the cake and he just went, wow, I just ate it. And I'm going, too late. He's eating it. (laughs) I just took a couple of bites. (laughs) And I thought, this cake's terrible. And then straight away yeah. you knew you were going, is this a dog cake? <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah. This is the worst, worst cake I've ever had. Well, here oh, I was yeah. thinking my wife's baked me a cake, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, how nice of her. <laughs> well, you know, when during the holidays and when I'm off with my son or my wife and I are off for the weekend or something like that, I, I step out and I, I'll eat the, uh, the the normal American diet and put on five or ten pounds and then we'll get back home and I drop back down ten pounds. So. Yeah. I, <laughs> so, love the, I love the American food. I love it when we go over there. I, like Tabasco yeah. sauce. I've got it on everything over here now. Oh, jalapenos. <laughs> jalapenos, Tabasco oh sauce. Yeah, you name it. goes oh, in my yeah. soup, on my veggies. <laughs> we love to eat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, all right, we've got all this one funny story while working as a pasty. What's one of yours, Daniel? I'm sure you're going to make one of them. I, the, the, the one that really got me and I laughed for weeks is um, this fellow I worked with years ago down in Tampa. We had a, a structure that had a swarm in the living room of uh, subterranean termites. And so he went there did, and inspected it, went underneath the crawl space, and he, he found that the, the section where they were swarming there's no access to get in that part of the crawl space. 
So what he did, he started drilling through the block and started making a hole to crawl into that crawl space. And he, he called me and asked me if I would come and help. And I said, sure. So I crawl underneath there with him. And, you know, we're taking turns drilling with a hammer drill, you know, had a PDE on earmuffs, the whole works. And uh, he, he asked me, could you go get something for me? And I forget what he asked for. So I crawled out. And as I was crawling out, I grabbed um, a flat area on uh, a stairway that went up. And there was this like a shelf underneath it. Uh, a closed-in box shelf, and when I grabbed it, I pushed down, and the plywood moved. So I go, oh. So I looked underneath there, and he's busy, and I move the plywood, <laughs> and, I, and I crawl into the section, and I look down the wall, and there's his hands and the light and drill and all that coming through. So I crawled over there to him, and while he was pushing it, his hand came in, and I grabbed his hands. <laughs> And all I heard was thump, 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 and he's bumping his head in here. <laughs> uh, I'm visualizing it. I can just, I can imagine him squealing, actually. Oh, he was, he, and all I could hear was, damn it, Danny, damn it. Uh, actually, they, nobody called me Danny. They called me Die. He was going, damn it, Die, damn it, Die, damn it, Die. Uh, actually, it reminds me of a similar story as when I was a kid. My family went on a houseboat, and anyway, the... Uh, run the house, but anyway, the uh, the suction propeller thingy sucked up a heap of weed. Anyway, so my dad said to me, you know, stick your hand down in here. Can you reach in and start pulling out the weed from above? And he said, no, I'll get underneath and see if I can um, get see what's blocking it from underneath. Anyway, so I'm as a kid, I'm only a kid. I'm about thirteen or something like that, and I've got my hand down this pipe and pulling out weed. And then next thing, my dad's underneath the actual houseboat, and he sticks his hand up and grabs hold of my hand. <laughs> I squealed. Oh, oh, that's funny. So yes, yeah, that's enough to make your heart. So that's why I laugh so hard when you told me that story because I can so relate to it and visualize how he must have felt when someone grabbed hold of his hand from in the subfloor. <laughs> He he told me not to tell anybody, and the first thing I did, I got on the. We had two way radios at the time, as before, you know, the cell phones and such. And I I told everybody what just happened, and I was. Uh, and now we all know over here too in Australia. So yeah, yeah. I like that one. He may even he may even listen to this. You never know. <laughs> so, oh but gosh, I, I have a I have a ton of stories. You know, being in the business of forty six years, you you gather a bunch. So. Oh, I wish we had three hours. Jay wishes that we had three hours. Yeah. But it but it is now time for um, the What's Bugging You segment. So What's Bugging sure. You question. This is a new segment we have added where pesties message us a question. And yeah. Jay and I, well, I think, Jay, you can answer this one. And our guest, which is you, can put okay. two cents worth into it. Yeah. So this... So- this particular question um, actually popped up on our um, our pest management page over here in Australia uh, just this week, actually. And then, yeah, so I saw it and went, oh, this is a perfect question, uh, particularly for Daniel Dye, I thought. Um, so <laughs> the question is, uh, can you manage mud dauber wasps? So I will... Uh, I'll... I'm not going to even answer this one. Well, you must. You get the, you get the questions oh, coming on the phone call. I get it all call. the time and I... I... Refer them yeah. on to you. Yeah, it, it's a tricky one because, as I explain to you know my customers and clients, unfortunately, mud double wasp or mud wasp, we tend to shorten it to fly, and we can't treat yeah. midair. Um, but you know, I always say, look, you know, 
keep up for us keep up with your general household pest treatments it can reduce the numbers a little bit um but you're mm-hmm. never ever ever going to control them but what i like to do is actually show them the life cycle of the mud dauble wasp open up the actual mud cells show them all the spiders that they've actually collected it and compacted in that that mud cell um and just you know explain to them how efficient and how effective they are as um you know as natural pest control um, and I find once you explain that to them and also explain to them, you know, obviously there's, there's that, um, that fear factor. People, they can be quite intimidating and people have got that scarce uh, fear of them. And I, I like to explain to them, you know, how being a, a, a solitary wasp, they lack that real aggressive nature or behaviour. And, and if I get the opportunity, I try and demonstrate to them how non-aggressive they are and how timid they actually are and how you can simply just walk amongst them and wave your arms around and they're not going to attack you like a, a social wasp that will or like the paper wasp will where's your exactly. where's your mindset uh, you know what everything you just said is exactly what i would have said um you know they are solitary they're beneficial and um one thing <laughs> i taught my technicians is to not to spray uh, the uh, if they, they have to do anything at all, just knock it down because if you try spraying it with your B and G or whatever the case may be, you are going to uh, have a muddy mess. Yeah. So uh, uh, I uh, I usually just say you know just break down if the customer uh, is adamant about it. But personally, I think they're beneficial. Um, I was talking to my wife about that earlier, and she goes, "Well, I don't like them being up in the corner of the wall over there." And I looked at her and I said. I said, I'm in charge of the outside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that is one thing, and I, and I certainly do sympathize with some clients because um, I don't know how prolific they are over there, but certainly over here, they can be so messy, and it's, it's not unusual to see yeah. a, you know, a back patio or a back veranda, and it is just plastered with mud wafts, and particularly in the window tracking, and they can get you know some serious oh, yeah. numbers and you know, it can be quite unsightly. Um, yeah, you, know, you would have the mud daubers. Uh, we call them mud daubers, and just like you, and a potter's wasps, yeah. and the ones that uh, form the pipe organs, where there's three or four or five in a row. You know, about four or five inches long. Yeah, uh, we have we have them, and uh, but they're very beneficial. I have never heard of anybody being stung by them. I know I've never. No. I've knocked them out. I've pushed them out of the air before with my hand, and they just oh stop, <laughs> you know, just fly away. Yeah, that's so. what I always say to customers. So the only way you're going to get stung is if you physically actually catch the wasp in your palm of your hand and yeah. hang on to it in the palm of your hand. You're going to get stung. Yeah, sure. and, and, and I've tried that, unfortunately, with a couple of pieces because I, I want to actually see whether they possessed it. Did. it possessed stung the, you? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. did. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> of course. I actually want to see. Minor if, compared to scorpions. This particular species, I didn't actually know if it actually possessed this thing or still or it actually become redundant. So I actually managed to catch one in my hand and I'll hold it for a few seconds and I go, that doesn't, oh, oh, yeah, yes it did. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> so, That'll learn you. It, it was funny, when we were over in Pest World a few years ago, um, you know, I was walking up and down the, the stalls there and I spotted this stall with this big banner and it said Dorber Stopper and I got so excited. I'm thinking, yes, they've got a product over here that works on, um, you know, mud wasps and I've gone over to him and I go, what is it, what is it? And do you know what it was? It was just a, uh-huh. a screen. I want to say a screen. It, it's basically the attachment, a PVC little attachment that you actually fit on the end of your aircon unit overflow pipe. Oh. So it's just a, a filtered screen that you actually fit at the end of it to stop those mud dauber wasps actually 
creating their mud cells up inside your actually uh, aircon overflow pipe yeah. and, and blocking your overflow uh, pipe. And that's all it was. That was the only product they actually manufactured and made. And I was just blown away, blown away how you can actually have a product. But in the US, it's just it's numbers. And that was it. That was the only product that that store was yeah. was selling. Yeah. And, and they're probably not around anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> would be my guess yeah so cool um awesome all right well it's got that uh we better start wrapping this up because i'm looking at the time and thinking oh poor listeners um wow. but, but anyway um i love it it's got that time <laughs> of the episode where we do the the rapid fire questions questions where we just get to know you just that one last bit um daniel feel free to pass on any questions or you know if they're not really relevant to you um obviously um there's a bit of a difference between here and over in, in the u.s but i reckon you could You'll be able to answer most of these, actually. Oh, yeah. Okay. Beer or wine after work? Or after the end of the day, sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm not much of a, a drinker, but when I do, it's a Guinness. I saw that. You know, I, I love to sit down and have a Guinness every now and then. It's maybe once a month, something like that. And if I want something heavier, uh, I'm a Scotch guy. I love Lefroig, uh from from the, uh, you know, the, the heavy peat. Scotch, oh. and, you know, I'll, I'll smoky, drink yeah. that. Yeah, and, and I'll I'll drink that once every month or so. I I have several bottles of it here, but I'm not a big drinker. Uh, if I'm home from work, uh, it's usually a glass of iced tea, slightly sweetened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're a morning or nighttime person. I'm both. I am both. Uh, I I wake up uh, a- a- anywhere from five to eight o'clock in the morning. My body just does it. You know, I wake up when my body says get up, and I'm up many nights until 1 or 2 o'clock at night. Um, so uh, listening to music mainly. So uh, I do both. <laughs> Are you a city or a country person? Oh, country. Country all the way. Yeah. Here I live go. in the middle of nowhere. Here we go. A boobs or a bum kind of guy? Uh, both. I have two hands, so I have no problem. <laughs> That's lo- the first one that's answered that one. I like that answer. So, yeah. Um, oh, here we go. Did you have a favorite termite bait when you were working in the industry? Um, I, I've never been a big fan of the termite baits. Yep. Uh, we tried Centricon and some of the other ones, but no, I, I'm still not a big fan of baits. Um, above ground baiting for termites is not a massive thing in the U.S., is it? It is in certain parts okay. around uh, Louisiana, New Orleans, and some other parts, especially for Formosan. Yeah, I was going to say Formosan to be ideally suited for, I would have thought. Oh, yeah, and they'll, they'll do the conventional treatment with Termidor, and, and, of course, they'll put the baits out as well, you yeah. know, a Centricon or whatever the case may be. So, Okay. Um, did you have a, a favorite manufacturer when you were working, um, or still, uh, actually? I had several actually. Uh, Bear was was one. Uh, BASF FMC you mentioned as well. Yeah. Uh, and then there was MGK. Uh, gosh, uh, CSI um, and uh, gosh, others. Because as a training coordinator, I met with them quite a bit, uh, and we were pretty smart about it. Uh, they had to come see our department, and we would have them come in at eleven o'clock. And uh, so we sit and talk, and then of course we it was a, a, a they had to take us to lunch, so <laughs> that's why we said every come up, come at eleven and we'll talk to you. <laughs> so, uh, did you have a favorite sales rep? Oh, no doubt, um, Al Turner with Bear. 
uh, we're good friends. Uh, he was fabulous. And there's others as well. Um, it's a long list, but Al was definitely probably my, my favorite. Okay. Uh, Al Turner Bear. Yep. Um, this You've already answered this one pretty much, but do you prefer baiting or liquid soil treatments for termite prevention? Uh, here we, we don't call them barriers anymore. It's a treatment zone. Yeah, because, we're, uh, we're the same. But I still, yeah, I, still, I, still use, I still use the word barrier because everyone knows what it is and relates to it. I just find soil, yeah, I, I find soil treated zone just a bit of a mouthful. I, I, I like the barrier or the, uh, the treatment zone. Uh, like I said earlier, I'm not a big bait, uh, bait fan. Um, when you are doing a soil treated zone, plugs or grout for concrete? Grout. 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 I'm a grout guy. Flow meter or stopwatch for hole injection? Counting or stopwatch. Yep. Uh, flow meters, I find them uh, unreliable. Uh, they break easy unless I've, they've come out with some really good ones lately. I don't know. It's been a while. Yeah. But uh, I never did like the flow meters. Yeah. Uh, I just find it's an extra apparatus attached to your gear that, yeah, just gets a bit in your way and clunky. Uh, it does. Inside or outside first when performing a general household pest treatment, if you are doing internals and externals? Well, it, it all depends, but most of the time I would say outside first, and the reason why is when you do an outside inspection first, you can spot some of the uh, conducive areas, you know, a tree touching the roof or uh, the ornamentals touching. You, you, you can spot some really good um, spots around the outside, some conducive areas. And when you go inside, you can concentrate to those areas as well. And that goes for termites as well, yes, by I was, the way. I was about to say that when you were saying that, again, that's exactly what I keep preaching to people about doing performing termite inspections. So, yeah. Um, it, we, we have to, here we go. Subfloor first or last when inspecting for termites? And you've answered um, that question pretty know, much. Yeah. I, I've done it both ways, but my preferred is to do it last oh, because. Okay. The reason why is uh, if I do the subfloor, the crawl space first, then I'm a mess when I go inside the house to inspect. Yep. Inspect, and uh, even with a crawl suit and a proper, you know, gear PPE, uh, you get pretty messy underneath there. Here in Florida, it's very sandy and dusty underneath houses, so I do it last. I think I think this one is a no-brainer for you. Prefer backpack or bulk tank when spraying for general pest treatments externally. Backpack. All the way. Yeah. Uh, the old bulk tank is, a, I think it's an Aussie thing. Uh, yeah, and, and, and it's good, but it, a lot of times you end up over-treating. Uh, yeah. With the backpack on pin spray, I can put the product exactly where I want it in those cracks and crevices. And if you think about when you use a bulk and you apply that around the fascia or the eaves, a lot of that drips off, runs down, and, uh, and then disappears you know, it, it, you, you can't get it where, and this is my opinion now, where it needs to be with a... Yeah, oh, look, I, a, I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, I traditionally was a, a bulk tank person when I come into the industry and, and I continue with the bulk tank for, you know, a number of years when I first started my, my own business. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, with the, the evolution of the, the backpack sprays that we've got available to us now, the likes of Flowzone, those electric knapsack sprays, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think we can be just so much more precise and, and efficient now and a little bit more conserved with the amount of product we're actually putting around the actual uh, around the actual structure. Absolutely. Cool. I'm with you. Uh, this is one we just spoke about before, but do you inspect clockwise or anti-clockwise internally? 
it'd be anti-clockwise or counterclockwise. Counterclockwise. Yep. <laughs> yeah. uh, domestic or commercial work? Do you prefer? Um, I would say commercial because the commercials are very challenging, especially the restaurants and stuff. Um, I like I like uh, going in there and just solving the problem. Um, now, the best stick is nice, too, because you get to meet people and you get nice tips around Christmas and all that stuff. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, if I if I were to go out right now and work for somebody, I would try to get a commercial. Yeah. Uh, I think the commercial would fit right down your alley as far as you, there's much more scope of pests when you come to your store product pests. Um, oh, yeah. Mm. You know, flies and uh, stored product, everything. Yeah. And that's a challenge. Uh, post-construction or pre-construction termite work? Oh, I like them both. I, I really do. Uh, you know, pre-construction is very important. Yep. Uh, but, you know, when that doesn't work or if it wasn't done, let's go ahead and do the post. So I'm good with both. General pest work or termite work? Uh, general and uh, L&O, lawn and ornamental work. I love that. Yeah, okay. And I, I'll tell you why, too, because uh, termite work, once you know the pest and you know uh, you know the technique and treatment, and there's very few challenges. Uh, now, not to say there isn't any. There's there's there, they can be there, but for the most part, with general pest and L and O work, you have to know your your insects really well. Yeah, um, you know, it, it, it's just more of a challenge, and it, it, it's just uh, it'll keep me more uh, in, involved, I, I guess. Um, Riga or B and G pneumatic sprays, but you guys don't have Riga over there, do you? Yeah, we do. You do? It's, oh, okay. it's, it's Sorry. A, you know, actually, it's I'll not what you think. Riga is actually a uh, a record player made in Britain. <laughs> <laughs> All right, only Daniel would know that. Yeah, there's, and I've had a few of them. They're very good, but uh, I B and G, of course, um, we use here a lot. I'm not a big fan of B&Gs. I think they're overused, especially when it comes to um, general household pest control. Where people depend on it too much uh, when they do interior work instead of going in there and using baits and uh, targeting uh, the problem. Uh, so B&Gs, I think, are mm, they've had their time. They're still good, but I, I don't think they're that important anymore. Okay. Do you call it a termite donger or a taffer? Donger. Donger. <laughs> and just just for the listeners, I probably should explain, we had a very brief discussion before we went live, um, and you weren't actually quite sure what a donger or a taffer actually was, were you? No. It, it's not a term that gets used in the, in the States. Uh, so I had to explain to, I had to, explain to Daniel what a, a donger was. <laughs> yes. Uh, you like the word donger better, though. Oh, here we go. And, yeah. and the final question, and this is going to be an interesting one. Do you refer to it as a an amphipod or a lawn prawn? Careful how you answer this one, Daniel. It is an amphipod. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there you go, listeners. Once and for all, it is been final conclusion. It is an amphipod. That's right. See, <laughs> all the way. Yep. Daniel Dyer has said. People will still disagree. <laughs> They'll still disagree. No, and it. And they go well with a good tartar sauce, by the way. Yes. <laughs> Does the term lawn prawn actually get used in the States? We call them lawn shrimp. Lawn shrimp, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's of course. What calls same, of course. 
Yeah. Same thing, you know, it's just a different word, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I say amphipod every time. Awesome. I knew I liked this guy. Great answer. <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> well, Daniel, I have thoroughly enjoyed myself on this podcast. I started off a bit nervous, but I just just chatting to you, I just felt at ease and I just relaxed all the way through and it just felt like having a, a conversation with a, a fellow herper mate. Um, so I've uh, thoroughly enjoyed myself and I reckon I, we can continue on for another hour and a half but I think some listeners, listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, have you got any closing words or anything else you wanted to uh, finish up with or wrap it up with well yes uh, I've, I've really enjoyed myself as well and uh, you guys are fantastic and uh, hopefully if I ever get over that way we'll uh, come uh, and see you guys 100% you need to yeah, put that on the to, on the bucket list, mate. Come over to Australia, and I'll take you out herping, show you some of our local space, species. It's a shame he's not coming on the Aussie Termite tour. Oh, it's a bit soon uh, though. But that that'd be gonna, something. That is yeah. going to be a, a once in a lifetime. So, so we're in Darwin. We go out to Kakadu National Park and Litchfield National Park, and we Ooh. go see, we go see all the big giant cathedral termite mounds and the and the magnetic termite mounds and, and a plethora of other termite species up oh. there. So Darwin's my um, my playground for for termites. Uh, and termite I'd mount, love to. Termite mounds. I'd love to come over there. I'd love to come over there and speak someday. Maybe you can get them, get them to uh, sponsor a trip, and I'll Ooh. come over there and yeah, talk for hours. Pesticon, <laughs> Pesticon, come on. Up Pesticon, the up the game. I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's our. We need it's some our, good speakers. It's our national conference uh, that they have wow. every year over here. So, oh, Phil, mm, we, we, we've planted the seed, and we'll see if we can plant the seed a bit more. Uh, oh, that'd be awesome. And get, you, and get you over here. And then I'll take you out herping and find some real snakes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, you know, I'd love to see your snakes and your spiders as, as well. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a big spider guy too. So uh, most definitely. Oh, that would be a dream come true. Uh, that, let's make it happen. We'll have to make it happen. Yeah, we'll have to make it happen. Um, uh, Nikki, you got any closing words? Yes, I do. So 2025, Pest World is in Orlando. Oh, so I, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking, Daniel, that um, we might have to extend the trip when we're there because if you could see the excitement oh. on Jay's face right now. <laughs> My eyes just lit up all of a sudden. So oh, whoa, I think we that should would extend be the trip and um, maybe do a bit of a field trip with Daniel and Michael. That would be fantastic. Oh, if you have us. I can hang out with Ron. We can do this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you extend the trip, um, we have a guest room here. We'd be happy to have you all. So I'm just and, saying it's uh, not that far away, really. And we've got a busy year that year because we're supposedly going over to Greece. It's my 50th that year. Oh, but that's earlier wow. on. And then we're heading over to Orlando for Pest World. No, so we're going to awesome. be over there. Yeah. So we've actually been to Orlando um, previously for Pest World in 2019, I think it was. I spoke at that one. Yes. Oh, did you? Oh. I sure did. I did. I did. I spoke on snakes. As a matter of fact, I sure did. Um, Oh, How did we miss that? I don't know. There was so many, so many streams happening, and it was it was yes. hard to choose uh, a lot of the speakers. I found. Um, I just yes. remember you stalking Jerry at that one. That's all I can. Remember. Yeah, I buffed, that's where I met Jerry for the first time at that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was I was definitely there. Uh, it was a, it was it was a good time. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, and I don't we, have yeah. any connections there anymore. I, I don't know if they're going to ask me to speak this year or not. I mean, in twenty twenty five. I hope yeah. so. Um, well, we're definitely we'll going to be there, so but, we need to extend. But I had a, I had a blast over there, just seeing all the just random gators and just little canals and 
ponds here and there. Um, we pulled into one car park and there's this gator nest and all these gator babies, alligator babies just sort of sitting in the puddle in the actual car park at one spot we were. Um, oh, and that's right, the iguanas when we're in Miami. Oh. Um, oh, yeah. I Googled and I said to Nikki, I said, I want to go find some iguanas. So I, I still haven't released any of that footage yet. I've still got all the footage so of she you took me, racing so around a golf so course. I, f- <laughs> I found this golf course apparently that had a big population of iguanas and so I was, yeah, running around this golf course chasing iguanas. <laughs> <laughs> These poor golfers, but, what are they doing? <laughs> well, that's that's lightweight stuff. We'll take you and yeah, let you see. Uh, th- that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. When we go there, we need, I need to go out to the local and find some real local stuff, none of this pest stuff. Let's do it. All right. We'll lock that in because we're going to be there anyway. Yeah. And we'll have to extend that trip. I'm excited Absolutely. now. I'm excited now. <laughs> yeah. so. All right. Anyone else? Are we all done, are we? Yep. We're done. All right. Cool. Let's wrap this up. So Awesome. All right, listeners, as I always say, the more we learn, the more we learn how much we don't know. So I'll catch you guys on another episode of Pesty Profiles. You've been listening to the Pesty Profiles podcast. Remember, we love your feedback, so email us on info at pestyprofiles.au. Don't forget to follow us on your favourite platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Anchor. And like us on our Pesty Profiles Facebook page for all our latest content. And just to clarify, it's not a prawn and it don't live on your lawn. So it's not a bloody lawn prawn.